Isaiah chapter 6. And uh, I think my PowerPoint died on me there. Isaiah chapter 6, we're going to go to chapter 1 in the Scripture. I want to preach to you this message this morning about what Isaiah saw. What Isaiah saw. Uh, you know, I was, uh, I'm a homeschool grand, grandpa right now, at least one day a week, except for the days we do it on Friday, then it's, uh, then I let Sarah be the principal or she, she, I don't let her, she just, I just let her do it. You know, but with our grandkids going to school virtually, I'm sort of going back to school myself. And I want to tell you, a lot of the things that they're doing in school now, I don't have a clue, especially with it all on notepad. And we didn't have Zoom when I was in school, and we didn't have uh, litmus learning centers and, and things like that. The other day, I was helping my grandson, though. He's in the fourth grade. And uh, you, y'all remember that show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? I don't even make it to the fourth grade, Okay. But in, in the, his fourth grade class, it was uh, about the senses. It was about the sense of smelling, seeing, uh, touching, hearing, uh, tasting. It was about the senses, uh, and we all uh, know what they are, I think, or hopefully we do, and, and hopefully we all still got most of our senses. Uh, but I want to preach to you this morning about what Isaiah saw. What Isaiah saw. Hearing is important. And seeing is also important. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to read along with me or you can follow along on the overhead. In the year that King Uzziah died, this is Isaiah, I saw the Lord high and lifted, higher, high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces with uh, two, they covered their feet, and with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe unto me, I cried. I'm ruined. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I, I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, which with a live coal in his hands, and which he had taken with tongs from off of the altar. With it, he touched my mouth, and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord say, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. And he said, Go and tell this people. And as we go into the what Isaiah saw this morning, I want you to know that The first thing, the first of four things that we can recognize that Isaiah saw was Isaiah saw the Lord. I I consider this, I refer to it in, in uh, in my preaching this morning as a Peter type revelation. Do you know there's a lot of people that know who God is? They know who the Lord is. They know who the 
who Jesus is. They know who the Holy Spirit is. They're all one. They're all the same. But, but do you know, you know, there, there's a lot of people that know who God is, but there's pe- there are people, even though they know who God is, really they don't know God. Really, they don't know God because they have never received a revelation of who God is. Peter was, Peter had one of those, uh, episodes, if you would, or at least he was put to the test when the, when the Lord says to me, you know, uh, uh, Peter, but who do you say that I am? And he says, thou art the Christ. You see, the anointed one. Uh, the anointed one of God, the, the anointed one that has come to redeem the world, save the lost, and to, to restore humanity to, to that original state that you have desired for them to be. You see, that was a Peter type of revelation. And that was a similar type to the revelation that Isaiah has had. <coughs> Isaiah's had a personal revelation here. It was, it was Isaiah and Isaiah only that saw the presence of the Lord, that heard the presence of the Lord. There is no indication that anyone else that was in the presence of Isaiah knew or saw or heard what was going on when the Lord began to reveal himself to his servant. You and I this morning need to be aware that we too need a personal revelation of who the Lord Jesus Christ is. You may have been lit, raised in church. You may have you may have cut your teeth on the back of the pews. You may be able to pull some of the upholstery off the pews and and find where you used your pocket knife or something, and you you engraved your initials into the pews when you were younger. You may find a songbook back in the storage room somewhere that has your name written in it, where you wrote in the back of the songbook. You may find your you may find that your name is, is, is inscribed somewhere in the concrete that's poured around the outside of the building. Maybe your handprint or your little feet print are there. But the reality of it is we can be in church all of our life. We can occupy space. And that's good and that's well. Don't misunderstand me. We want everybody to be in church. But that does not necessarily mean that we have received a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. We have not seen His train as it fills the temple. We have not seen the smoke as it fills the temple. We have not had a revelation necessarily of who Jesus is. But it is a call and it is a, it is a necessity that we experience it. And Isaiah also sees as he sees himself... He, he has the realiza- realization that he lives in a corrupt world. He said, because I live among people that have unclean lips. I li- listen, I, I knew a fellow many years ago. I actually even did his funeral. And, and this fellow, he, he, in, in his Christian walk, he, he struggled at different times with, with the whole, to me, the whole concept of Christianity. He, he, uh, he, he would take jobs, he would take employment, and he would work at a place, but he never seemed to stay too long. And I asked him one time, I said, uh, why, why did you quit your job? He said, I quit my job because there were too many sinners there. 
He said they used bad language. They used bad words. And he said they had talk that, that wasn't always nice. And, 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 and he said, so I don't want to expose myself to that. I'm a Christian. Listen. I want you to know this. We live in an unclean world. There's going to be unclean words spoken. There's going to be unclean actions that happen. There's going to be things that occur that's going to be ungod, ungodly and unchristlike. There's things that's going to happen all around us. But we are called to be salt and light in the world. And even though we're living in a world of corruptness, we can receive a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. A revelation of His greatness. The throne represents His greatness. The train that filled the temple represents His vastness. And the holiness is declared by the seraphim as as they say holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You see, we need we need that revelation of who Jesus is. And that revelation came through a submissive heart of the prophet as he committed himself to the Lord, as he was giving himself over, crying out out to God. Listen, God is waiting on us. Do you wonder, have you ever thought about why Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. I stand at the door and knock. If you will open that door, I'll come in and and I will sup have supper with you and you can have supper with me. And if you ever, and, and okay, it's not It's probably not a big spiritual thing. It's probably not even a biblical thing. But have you ever saw the the artist's depiction uh, that's called Jesus standing at the door? If you ever notice that piece of art, you will notice there is not a handle on the exterior of that door that Jesus could grab hold of and open, turn the handle and open the door and just walk on in. He's calling us to open the door of our heart to Him. He's calling us to be submissive to Him. Isaiah was submissive to the Lord. And because he was submissive to the Lord, he received a revelation of the Lord. Even though he was an unclean man, living in an unclean world, his heart that was submissive to the heart and the will of God had a vision of who the Lord was. Secondly, Isaiah saw himself. You see, a true revelation of God will bring a revealing of oneself. Call me old school if you want, but I still believe, you know, we used to talk, and maybe this is, maybe this is a little bit too deep, but we used to teach a doctrine of sanctification. Our salvation, sanctification, and regeneration. We used to, uh, holiness churches, Pentecostal churches used to, to teach that. That we were, we were saved and we were set apart, but we were made different through the work of regeneration. We, our, our life, our hearts and our lives change. I believe, I'm still a believer that when we have received revelation who G, of who Jesus is, that our lives are forevermore changed in every aspect. Our thought process changes. Our actions changes. Change, will change. Our ways and our doings will change. Our attitudes will change. I still am a believer in the work of regeneration that comes through the working of the blood of Jesus and the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit. Listen, a true revelation of God will bring about one of our own self. We will, it will reveal our own self to our own selves if 
if you would. Our righteousness will become insignificant as compared to God. And the Word of God declares that our righteousness is as filthy rags. It doesn't say that it doesn't exist. It doesn't say that you're not a good person. It doesn't say that you do and you live some right some right ways and do some right things. But what it does say is that our righteousness in compared to the righteousness of God is no more than filthy rags to be cast aside and to be burnt. The real, listen, you, the realization, when Isaiah saw himself, he realized that he lived in that, he was a corrupt man compared to the holiness of God. And he lived in a corrupt world. But what happens is, when we see ourselves in, in Christ Jesus, it brings us to a place of humility. Let me tell you. I've accomplished some things in my life and so have you. There's, there's things that I've done. There's things that I've been able to accomplish and maybe, maybe it's education for you. Maybe it's, uh, some great feat. Maybe you've climbed the highest mountain. Maybe you've, you've swam the longest river. Maybe you've, maybe you've achieved, uh, your pilot license. You know, there's a lot of different things that we can look at and we can think about that we've achieved. And, and, and those are admirable things, no doubt, and great achievements. And by all means, you should be, and, and myself, we should be acknowledged for our achievements. But understand this. When even, even our greatest of achievements in comparison to the greatness of God, when we begin to, when we get, begin to think of, I, I've, I've swam the longest river and I've climbed the highest mountain and I've, I, I've achieved my pilot's license or I've, I've been able to do this or I've been able to do that. When, when you think about what our accomplishments are in comparison to what God has done, Because God has done what couldn't be done. God provided what couldn't be provided with our own selves. And you see, the the things that we can do in ourselves, in essence, that we don't need God for, you know, they're great accomplishments, but they're not miraculous accomplishments. Miraculous accomplishments happen when God is on the scene and through the, through pressing through impossibilities, pressing through circumstances that would hinder us, God brings us into a, a place of humility, which brings us in turn to a place of repentance. Because it's in that place of repentance that we realize that in comparison to the vastness and the greatness of God, it's, it's in that time of repentance that we, re, we realize, God, I can't do this without you. Uh, and Black brother used to sing a song. And that song said, yeah, that, the lyrics to that song said, for a long time I thought I was number one. And it would surely be me. He said, it would surely be me. But then, but then his song goes on and he, and he, the lyrics, the chorus to that song says, and I can't, but I can't even walk without you holding my hand. For the valley's too high and the river is too wide. 
You understand that, that when we come to that place of humility and that place of repentance, we realize that we need God. I need God every moment for every breath I breathe, for every step I take, for every move I make, for everything that happens in my life. I need, I need God's presence. I need the Holy Ghost working and moving in my life. I need the presence of God to fulfill me and to, to lead me and direct me and to guide me and to protect me in every aspect of my life. I need him. And that comes through seeing myself. Thirdly, thirdly, Isaiah witnessed in this brief experience, Isaiah witnessed God's cleansing. I already touched on this some, but I want to elaborate just a little bit further. You know, we don't preach too much about sanctification anymore. We don't preach too much. We don't preach on stuff anymore. You know, some some of you older ones, you remember, you remember when we used to preach on stuff? You know? It used to be what, I used to call it the big five. I don't even know if I can remember them anymore. Smoking, drinking, chewing, cussing. And well, we probably had more than five. And there was women's clothes, and there was women's makeup, and there was jewelry. And we, we used to preach on a lot of stuff, you know. And we figured out some of, the, some, some of the stuff that we preached on really probably wasn't necessary. We were meddling a bit. One old brother, one old brother, uh, they, my, my deceased wife's family always called him Uncle Sam. He was their uncle. And Uncle Sam, he said, he said, bless God. He said, I quit preaching on women's makeup a long time ago. He said, I found out a little paint never hurt any old barn. Yeah. But we used to preach on a lot of things. Some of it was not so good. Some, Maybe some of it would be good to bring back. But, but Isaiah saw God's cleansing. Isaiah saw that God was able to bring him into a place of holiness. And he sees that by the means of the coal. You see, the coal that the seraphim brought off the fire, we know that coal was hot. It was so hot that even the angelic seraphim couldn't even touch it. Now, in my opinion, angels can't get burned, okay? But, but, but the demonstration of the angel going to the altar and taking the coal with a set of tongs and bringing those, bringing it over to touch the lips of Isaiah illustrate that that coal was a living. It was a live coal. It was red hot. It's like the ones that you would like to get going in those old charcoal grills when you would fan them and you and you would blow them and you would try to get them as hot until they were white hot in order that you could cook those steaks and cook those hamburgers. Actually, that coal was probably even hotter than that. The coal was probably more like a, a coal that would be taken out uh, of a blacksmith's forge. It, it, it's a coal that is extremely hot. It's a coal that would disintegrate. It, it would annihilate. It, it's a coal that would just burn up anything it touched. But that, that that, that seraphim brought it and he touched the lips of Isaiah with that live coal. Now it didn't burn Isaiah up. It didn't even burn his lips off. But what that is for us is an illustration of the living power of the sanctifying power of the Almighty God. Jesus still saves. Jesus still heals. 
and Jesus still sanctifies us. And the one thing I want you to realize is the sanctification didn't come by human means. Mm-hmm. You know, now uh, I, I have disciplines in my life and so do you. Okay. And, and those disciplines in our life, sometimes, sometimes their disciplines can be good and sometimes they're bad, even though we call them disciplines, they might not get, I was telling, I was telling Miss Faye and Miss Eunice back there before service started this morning, I said, you know, I said, I love buttermilk. And I said, if you drink a little bit of buttermilk every day, it's good for your stomach. They say that it's proven good for your stomach, makes you a healthy stomach. My stomach ought to be as healthy. This could be. But my waistline tells me that I'm too healthy. Too much buttermilk. But understand this with me. The, 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 the disciplines of life are good and they have their own place. And certainly the Bible tells us to sanctify ourselves. Certainly there are disciplines for us to enact and, and there's disciplines for us to have to live by. We should be disciplined in our Bible reading. We should be disciplined in prayer. We should be disciplined in church attendance. We should be disciplined in our worship. We should be disciplined in how we conduct ourselves. There's no doubt about all that. But understand this. When it comes down to that sanctifying work uh, uh, and sanctifying our spirit. Now, I read this the other night. Those of you that maybe watched Wednesday night. Wednesday night is virtual at 6.30 still yet, by the way. And I, and I read the other night. Uh, Paul wrote, I think it's Romans chapter 7. And Paul in a nutshell, I'll say this. I'll paraphrase it like this. Paul said, I know I ought to, what I ought to be doing, but I struggle to do the things that I need to be doing. I struggle to do, I know what's right, but I struggle because it seems like I always do what's wrong. But, but here's the thing about it. Paul identifies that we are in a warfare between our spirit and our flesh. It's ongoing. It's never ending until you call uh, Craven Shires down here or your funeral home a choice or until the rapture of the church takes place or whatever happens in your life and my life, we are always going to be warring the flesh warring against the spirit. You can try to conduct, you can listen, you can take the seven steps to, to do whatever delivery you need. You can go through the, 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 you can go through the ten steps to success. You can, you can do all of these steps and you can go through all of these programs and they're all good and proper if in their boundaries and in their place. But listen to me, it's the sanctifying work of Jesus Christ and through the working of the Holy Spirit that will set us apart, that will clean us up, that will satisfy our minds, satisfy our hearts and bring us to that place when we receive that revelation of God where we can walk in obedience to Him. So, the holiness that's being achieved here, what the cleansing that Isaiah is witnessing and that's actually happening to him is not one of his human effort. It's the sanctifying work. It's a foreshadowing of the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. And then you see that it came from the altar. It came from, the coal came from off the altar. The altar, the place of holiness. The place of the presence of God. The place, listen, only God can do for you what needs to be done for you. I would be a Christian... 
Preacher, I would become a Christian. I would give my heart to Jesus, but I don't think I can live it. You're exactly right. You can't live it. I, I, I fought that lie for years as a young, as a teenage young man. I fought that lie for years. I thought, listen, let me tell you something. Pastor's not proud of it, but I'm just gonna t- I, but I'll tell you, just gonna tell you like it is. I'm just, I could, I could outcuss a whole, whatever you call them, platoon. What's sailors call? Where's my, you got any name? Whatever they're called. I, I could, I could outcuss a whole ship full of sailors. I could. This habit. Every habit. I didn't even know what I was saying half time. This, uh, uh, you know, and that's what makes me sick about some of the stuff I see on TV now. They don't even know what they're saying. They just rattling off stuff and don't even know. And, and I would go out in the barn and I, I would fall down in the dirt in front of that old tractor that's still sitting there and, 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 and in the barn and I'd fall down in front of that old tractor and I'd say, God, I'll, I know I need to be saved. I didn't know a whole lot about it. But I said, I know I need to be saved, but if you, and I'll get saved if you'll help me quit my cussing. But it never happened. It didn't occur. It didn't occur. You know why? Because I had the cart ahead of the horse. I wanted to get my life straightened out before I got to Jesus. I, I wanted to get, I wanted to get everything fixed before I got saved because I wanted to make sure if I got saved that I could be saved or live saved, you know. But let me tell you something. You, you, you can't live a saved life without Jesus. You can't live a sanctified life without Jesus. You cannot live a spirit-filled life without Jesus. You see, the element of all, the element of cleansing, the element of sanctification, all comes through the working of God, the purging of God, the purging, the cleansing of the blood of Jesus, the cleansing of the Holy Spirit as He works in our lives. Then lastly, Isaiah heard the call and he saw the need. He heard, but he not only heard and he saw because the voice of God said, Hey, I need somebody to go. Who's going to go for me? Who's, who's going to, who's going to pull up stakes? Who's going to sell out? Who, who's who's going to? Uh, and you remember the parable that Jesus gave? When I said, "Oh, I've got to go back and I got to bury my mother and my father," and I said, "Well, I got a field to work." And and Jesus said, "Who's going to go and send me?" You, you understand this? You, we, we, those of us in this room, those of us watching, those of you listening this morning by, uh, by radio, by internet radio, those of you that will listen to a podcast later on, understand this. God has not just merely saved us so that we can go to heaven. That's a fringe benefit. You know, some of y'all got fringe benefits at work. Some of you, some of you got jobs, you don't have any insurance or anything. Some of you's got free, jobs with fringe benefits. Some of you changed jobs. I had, you know, if you had a job that didn't have insurance, you took another job just so you could have insurance, that type of thing. Listen, going to heaven is one of the fringe benefits of surrendering to Jesus. But, but, but going to heaven is, is, is not necessarily our priority. It's not necessarily the most important thing. Now it means a lot to us, no doubt. But, but it's not, it's not necessarily our objective. Oh Lord, I, I, I got, I just got to make it to heaven. I just got to make it to heaven. 
You know, we, we grew up with that mentality. We've been taught that mentality. You know, you know, we, we, we go, you know, we, we was taught, you know, back in the days when we had altar rails, you know, across the front of the church. We, we, we'd hang our cross the altar rail like, you know, like a piece of, you know, clothes has been washed out or something. Make the heaven. Listen, let me say something. I will go to G, I will go to heaven by the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ is my ac- access, it's my passport, it's my ticket, it's the way that I go to heaven. It's not because what I do or what I can do or what I haven't do, I haven't done, none of that. I go to heaven, I will go to heaven because the blood of Jesus Christ made the way for me to go to heaven. But Jesus Christ saved my soul, sanctified me, and filled me with the Holy Ghost for a bigger purpose than just going to heaven. He did that because the fields are white to harvest. There's a world out there. Listen, America right now is in the biggest mess that any of us in this room have ever saw. America right now seems like that it could possibly even crumble in a few years if we're not careful. America right now seems to be uh, 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 having one foot on the banana peel and the other foot in the grave. It's all up to what happens. It's up to us. By the way, get out and vote. Get out and vote. You don't have too many more days. you got to out another month to get registered, a little bit less than a month, get out and vote. That's not what this message is about though. But let me say this, we right now are seeing as American people we are seeing a different America than any of us in this room has ever known before. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how much you've been around. Sometimes I see things on the news, I see things on the TV that reminds me of things I see, I saw and witnessed in third world countries 30 years ago. But let me tell you something. Here's the point of it all. God, there is still hope and right now, has has disappointing as it may seem, right now, has 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 uh, uh, has dis- distracting as, as everything is and as, as distraught as we can be. Let me tell you something. Right now is the most opportune time, perhaps in modern day America, for the church to arise and to be the church. To be the church that has a revelation of who Jesus is. To be the church that is sanctified, set apart, full of the Holy Spirit and reaching out into a world that is lost and is dying and don't even know it most of the time. We are setting, we are poised in a time for the church to arise up and to be her greatest. And that is what God called the church to do. Thank you, AK. I owe AK a dollar for them. So God's heart is for His people. God's heart is for His people. All of creation. You know, even those people that we look at, and, and I know we're all sanctified, so probably none of us, none of you have, have but even those people sometimes you look at and you think they're despicable. Can I share another story with you? I've shared this, I believe, before, but it's worth telling again. A number of years ago, many, many years ago, y'all, y'all, y'all remember when we did the days of, uh, Regional talent. Y'all remember that? You remember that? Pam probably participated in that. We did regional talent in our conference. And I remember I was in a regional talent meeting. And in that regional talent meeting, there was three young men. And those three young men 
those three young men got up to do an ensemble, a music ensemble. I was just a pastor. I wasn't on the Discipleship Ministries Council at that time. And those three young men got up and they had on, looked like, it looked like the collar that Spike wore in those cartoons, the bulldog, you know, it was a black collar. It had spikes all over it and they, you know, it was, it was a, it was a time when the whole, the whole gothic movement, you know, they had on black pants and, and, and everything. And they got up and, and they had, they had black guitars and, and all like this. And when they sang, they sang like this. I don't know why. But, you know, it's like, Jesus is just alright with me. You know. And I was sitting there being the sanctified pastor that I was and, and, uh, my late wife was, seated next to me and I leaned over to her I said I'll tell you one thing if I was their pastor I'd have set them down <laughs> and I, in that day and time I probably would have because uh, I had a lesser understanding of mercy and grace and discipling but you know what those guys they didn't win talent but I don't know where all three of them are at right now, but two of them are doing music ministry in prominent churches. And they're, of course, now they're adult men. But God did a work in their life. You see, the Holy Spirit works. And, and you understand, there, there's hope for people. Sometimes there's people that, that I, I still, I, I, I'm not going to tell you I don't have the problem. Oh, God, that is just despicable. Should I tell that story? Should I tell a story about the fellow we saw last night? I'm just going to go ahead and tell it. You don't have to give me permission. Last night we saw a young man had his britches pulled down to right there. The straddle of his britches down. I'd like to say, boy, why don't you pull them britches up? I mean, he didn't even need to have none on. He's all his underwires, you know. But you know what? I have to think about it. But you know, that right there is not a despicable person, but that right there is somebody that just needs Jesus to do a work in their life. That is somebody that needs Jesus just to move in their life and, 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 and minister to their needs. That's, that's what God wants. God, God, you know, I don't know, maybe Jesus might say, pull your britches up. I don't know. I don't know if he would or he probably wouldn't, to be honest with you. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus looks at people and he looks at them as souls and, and he's calling us to do the same. You see, but God has called us in his design of ministry to be creations, uh, to, we're, we're Creations and carriers of the message. And we're supposed, we are supposed to be delivering the message in the life we live, in the countenance we display, in the attitude that we have. And we are supposed to love, you know, we are supposed to be loving people and caring for people even when they're obnoxious. God has called us to that. Isaiah lived among a despicable group of people. He said that. I'm a man that lives among a people with unclean lips. Now understand me. That, that Isaiah's, uh, Isaiah's scope of vision probably didn't extend far beyond the community that he lived in. Fact, fact be known. Probably not as 
probably not as concealed as Isaiah's, but you and I, in many ways, we just live in our own little world. We live in our own little place. That's why every one of you in this room, if you've never been on a missions trip, you need to go on one. Because everybody don't act like we act. Everybody don't worship like we worship. And everybody, you know, and everybody don't dress like we dress. And I'm not saying that we, you know, giving credence to people dressing ungodly or acting unholy or anything like that. I'm just saying everybody ain't like you. Everybody ain't like me. But the one thing is for sure is that God loves us all the same. And we have our part to do by just letting God change our lives. Save us. Sanctify us. Filling us with the Holy Spirit. And then when He says, Oh, who's going to go? Who's going to go? Who's, who's going to have that? The Lord, the, the Lord said, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Us. Isaiah, I could see him maybe sitting down or maybe just, maybe he was just sitting down. He'd been, you know, there in the temple for a while. And of course, understand the temple was probably a, a very crude and a lot of its furnishing. Maybe sitting on a rock or a piece of wood that had been set aside. There. And Isaiah hears the Lord say that. Who's going to go? Who's going to go? And who shall I send? Without hesitation. The man that had received the revelation. The man that had received the sanctification. The cleansing of the Holy Spirit. The man that had had an experience uh, where he it was no longer so important about him. But it was more important about the kingdom. He jumps up. He said, I'll go. Send me. You see, that's what God's calling us to. That's what God's calling you to. Young people, that's what God... God, you, you don't ever think you can't be used. Old people, old people, don't ever think... And I try not to look at anybody when I say old people. Old people, don't ever think God can't use you. God's just needing you to receive that revelation. Receive that sanctification. Be filled with the Spirit. And just be willing to go. I just want you to bow your heads with me right now. Is there anybody in this room right now that you're unsaved? You do not know. You may you may be in church all of your life. You may drop money, money after money after money in the offering plate, but you have never received a revelation of who Jesus is. You've not seen His smoke fill the temple. You've not seen the train fill the temple from off of His garment. You've not seen. You've not recognized. You've not seen Jesus. You know, church has always just been something you did. You've always done it. If you're in this room this morning or if you're watching by social media, I want to ask you a question. Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you born again? If you need to be saved in this room without embarrassing you, I won't call you out and I'm not going to disclose. But is there anybody in this room that needs to make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ today? Would you just slip your hand up right now? Is there anybody in this room that needs to rededicate your life? Maybe the revelation that you received has just grown dim. Maybe it's grown weak. Is there one in this room, in this sanctuary, that would say, Pastor, I need to rededicate my life today. I need to recommit myself.
I need a new revelation of who Jesus is. Anybody at all? I assume by the lack of response that everybody's well and everybody's good in your experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now only you know that if that's not correct. But I want you to look at me just a minute. Right now, is that they're going back into this song, the name of Jesus. I want you to realize right now. You know, if you notice, the three other songs besides this song that was sung said God is good. Every one of the first three songs spoke about the goodness of God. God is good. So right now, in this room, I want you to stand to your feet with me if you would. And as you stand to your feet, I want you, if if you if you can, and you don't mind... Just lift your hands to heaven. Don't worry about who's looking at you. Don't worry about who's thinking what. Just lift your hands to heaven. And right now, and and just cry out to God for a fresh revelation. A fresh revelation. God, give us in this room right now a fresh revelation. Let us see you, Lord God, high and lifted up. Lord, let us see, Lord, your presence. Lord, let your presence fill my temple, this temple. Because you said in your word that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. God, let, let, let the temple be renewed and refilled, Lord God, with your Holy Spirit. Today, Lord Jesus, let us, let our eyes be open. Let us see the train. Let us see the smoke. Lord, as the temple is filled. Lord, shake us, stir us, Lord, renew us, Lord, in the Holy Ghost today, Lord Jesus. God, God, we thank you for salvation. Lord, I thank you for your sanctifying work. For what I cannot accomplish, what I cannot do, within all of my power, all I might, I can't make myself holy enough to present to you, Lord God. But Lord, through Jesus Christ, I am made holy. Lord, I am holy because He is holy. So right now, I accept the blood of Jesus Christ, Lord, for the propitiation of all my sin. And Lord, I am right now, I am holy before you, God. And because I am holy, Lord God, Lord, you will distribute into me right now, Jesus, in everything, everything I need, Lord. You are my substance. You are my hope, Lord God. Lord, everything. You are my provision, Lord. You are my caregiver, Lord God. Lord, you fill every void place of my life, Lord. There is nothing, there is nothing, Lord, that you will not do. You will bankrupt heaven for me, Lord. Lord, I can ask for bread and you give me a stone. Lord, it's not going to happen. Lord God, you have good things in store for those, Lord, that will serve you. So God, turn my heart. Turn my heart to you today, Lord. Turn my life to you today, Jesus. Lord, turn my, Lord, let our hearts as a church be turned to you. Lord, and let us not behold the world as a, a place that is just merely full of trouble. But Lord, let us behold it as a field that's white unto harvest. Lord, and the call is going out. Who is going to work those fields? And Lord, in a day of turmoil, in a day, in a time, in an hour of unrest, God, let the church arise. Lord, let the church arise. We stand up, Lord, right now to say, here we are. Here we are. Send us, God. Send us, God. Send us, God. Let us go, Lord. Let us go into a world, Lord. For you are with us, Lord. Your rod, your staff, they will comfort us. And if we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will come out, Lord. Because you are with us. Lord, let your church arise.
Let your church arise. Let your church arise. Lord, let your church arise. Let your church arise. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yes. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus.